Hello, I'm Matt. And I'm Keith. And in this one, we discuss new tools, dust extraction upgrades, and there are a few of the usual bouts of ranting as well. We hope you enjoy. So how are you, Matt? Much better since last time. Thank you very much. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I took it easy for just over a week and then it was uh, back to doing the garden room, which was working outside. Well, it's outside-ish. So that was nice, I think. And uh, yeah, it definitely affected me. I, I was making bad decisions initially. So I kind of had the people talk about the brain fog thing. Mm. And I think, yeah, I definitely wasn't firing on all cylinders. But luckily, putting insulation in the wall is not the most taxing of jobs. So uh, uh, yeah, now I feel fine. So good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit stressed, actually. It's just a lot on at the moment, a lot to do. Struggling to focus, in a way. Um, I found a, an interesting article, actually, uh, Why Procrastinators Procrastinate, which is quite good, actually. It's um, I'm not into kind of, like, self-help things. I generally find they don't really help me for some reason. I think they do help others, but for some reason they don't work with me. I don't know why, but this one is written in a really fun way. It's got a dark playground, a procrastination monkey, a panic monster. It's just, it really helped me actually, because I, I always find that with procrastination, it tends to happen either when I'm not busy enough or when I'm too busy. When you've got a kind of nice, steady flow of work, I tend to just crack on with it and I'm quite chilled and I get things done. But at the moment, it's, uh, yeah, there's just too much to do, which is interesting, really, because a few months back, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to run out of um, projects soon. And uh, and now it's quite the opposite. I've just got way too many projects on the go. Yeah, it's funny how these things work, isn't it? It is strange. Yeah, I have those moments like, oh, I don't know what the next video will be, let alone the next or the next or next. I've, I've run out of ideas. And now I've got more content than I can do for the next year. I've mm. got so much on. Covid obviously threw me because I lost over a week's work, and now I'm just oh, I'm so far behind. In a way, it's almost nice problems to have. Yeah, I'd definitely rather be too busy than not busy enough. I think. So, what did you do for insulation in the end then for the garden room? I went for fifty mil uh, foil backed foam board things, which you'll tell me the proper name of because I always forget. PIR. I that's think. The, that's it. Oh, that's something I was going to mention. So I looked up the prices and i found a website called materials warehouse and i ordered from them and what they have is lots of basically just sheets of things and i think they said they've started by two guys in a pub in camden two builders who were so frustrated with not being able to get consistent pricing on things and i don't know how it works but what it looks like is that they just have a lot of products and then they ship it out from the manufacturer rather than having a uh, a warehouse themselves but it was okay. good because it just had a drop down box you could pick the delivery day so I placed the order while I was at my house for the first day I was going to be at my mum's house which is kind of what you want when you're kind of mm. on a job lorry turned up it looked like direct from the supplier so yeah that worked out well but it was as cheap as anywhere I could find with being a really easy to order process mm. So is it completely done now? Did you clad the walls as well? Yes. So I got the insulation in and I've cladded the walls with uh, MDF. The problem with using any sheet goods is what you do with the gaps. So what I've gone is kind of a, a fake panelling effect. Okay. 
So I've put a strip along the bottom, which is kind of skirting board, and then a, a mirroring strip along the top of the wall, and then uh, vertical strips going along. And I love it. I think it looks great. Awesome. And it was so easy to do and used up all the scraps. And I'm definitely going to do it in my workshop now. Yeah. They wanted the walls white, which I think looks good. But I think a darker colour would make the paneling look even better because you'd kind of get the shadows a bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really like it. But what I bought to do it was a nail gun because it was kind of essential, especially mm. for doing strips on the ceiling. I reckon you could have got away with the walls with just a grab adhesive. Mm. just pushing them on but uh, it mm. doesn't pull it tight into the wall so i bought an electric one attack wise one just off okay so I, I feel we can have a segment in each episode matt's rants <laughs> and, and uh, so i'm going to go into one now i ordered one from tool station it looks like tool station screw fix have exactly the same gun different branding on I think they do a £25 one that does 25mm nails, but for 35 you can get up to 35mm nails. I thought, well, I'm going to pay the extra tenner and get 35mm. Mm. It's more useful. Tool station I use all the time. I must have got close to placing 50 orders with them over the last few years. And they used to use Parcel Force, who would give you a one-hour delivery window. It gave you a ballpark of when they were turning up. They've now changed it to... Oh, they've rebranded. I think we've talked about this before. That used to be Herms or Her- Hermes or whatever, how you pronounce it. Yeah. Is it Every now or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it is. They've changed to that. And they delivered at 10 at night to the wrong address and then said they hadn't delivered and we're going to deliver the next day. And it got to three o'clock the next day and it wasn't even out for delivery again. And I just contacted them, cancelled it and ordered it off Amazon. For me, I just it makes Toolstation unusable. I, I'm not ordering something that, oh, I might need next week at some point. I'm only ever ordering something because I really need that thing now. Yeah. So it's a real shame that I don't know why they've done it. Because for me, yeah, it just makes them unusable. So that's my rant. But anyway, really happy with the nail gun. It's an electric one because battery ones are much more expensive and isn't one on the, any of the platforms I have. But it worked great and really made the job easy. And I've gone a few years without one, and now I'm thinking about all the things I could do. And I think I've put off doing things, like I want to make a lot of small storage boxes, mm. but the thought of hammering in all those nails has put me off. Is it 18-gauge so, pin nails? Yeah, Brad Nailer. I always wanted, when I had a compressor, to get, I think it's a 23-gauge headless one? Yeah. The little tiny ones. Yeah. What, what nail guns do you have? Um, I've got an 18 gauge and a framing nailer, the big chunky kind of, yeah. you can do 51 mil, 90 mil nails, which incidentally I really need at the moment for another one of my many projects at the moment, but I lent it to a friend of mine who's building a shed. So I need to swing by and pick that up at some point. Ah, oh, just one more job to do. Yeah. It's interesting you say that about the electric tackwise nailer, because I had one many years ago and it never fired the nails in flush. Um, I just could not get enough oomph out of it, so they must have vastly improved it, I should imagine. I mean, this was years ago now. I I was the same. I had one years ago, but I bought it off an Amazon warehouse deals thing, which I've had some real bargains off those. Sometimes they're Mm. just the boxes damaged. Well, I'm going to rip it out of the box and throw the box straight in the recycling. Why yeah. do I care about a damaged box? But sometimes there's been a customer return because there's been a problem. 
and I had one, it never fired. I mean, just literally every other nail jammed, unusable. But this had kind of, some reviews are bad. I think if you have a problem, you're more likely to leave a review than if you had positive. Yeah. But no, it's been really good. But it was, I think it was £80 compared to £35 from Toolstation. But it just got to the stage, well, as you're saying with your time, you're on the job, I'm away from home. Mm. That's the bottleneck now. What am yeah. I going to do? Lose another day's work? I should have just gone out to Tool Station or Screwfix and picked one up, but it's well over an hour's round trip from the house. And it's just, I think when you've got other deliveries coming, which is always what happens, yeah. you couldn't, can't pop out. And time is money, isn't it? Time is money. And yeah. yeah, the good thing about those shops is a lot of them do open to eight at night. So you can mm. go not in the working day. But then again, if you're a self-employed a build or you don't want to spend your evenings doing the work do you mm. this is why we end up working 10 hour days sometimes yeah. yeah so no i'm impressed with the nailer bosch have just brought out i think a 16 gauge which it's not the framing nailer it's not the brad nailer it's something in between so i guess you could do i probably could have put on like the cladding with it it's probably good mm. enough for that i don't know but it probably would have been too big a nail for the interiors because obviously you've got to fill all the heads to paint anyway so you want something as small as possible i actually had a 16 gauge nailer that Hikoki sent to me years ago um, and i never used it i I was always using the 18 gauge and the um, framing nailer Mm. i wonder if it's a good nailer for using for things like fencing projects and stuff like that I'm, I'm assuming you can get the 15 gauge nails galvanized or stainless steel so that so that they can be used for exterior i'm not sure that's what i was thinking because i kind of feel a framing nail is overkill for those kind of projects yeah i mean i used it for the shiplap on my shed but i think you're right it was it's a little bit too much yeah i used it for the shiplap on my or, or for the feather edge sorry on my um workshop that i did i had a framing nailer the trouble I found with the framing nailer is I used it for that project and then it sat in a box for two years and I didn't mm-hmm. use it again. Even I think when I built a log store, I could have used it for that. But the thought of getting the compressor out and wheeling it out to the patio and setting it all up, I was like, I'll just use the hammer because it's only 20 yeah. pieces or something. What do you use your Brad nailer for? I can't think that it's something you use a lot. I've seen you use the framing nailer more. I do use it a lot. Um... It probably hasn't featured in too many of my videos recently, though, thinking about it. Often I'll use it in addition to screws just to, to get temporarily held in place mm. and then and then reinforce it later. But yeah, you, they are useful for holding things together, as in if you need to hold two bits of wood, you need a hand for that. And then to drive a screw, you kind of need a hand for the screw and then a hand for the driver. So you need three hands, as with a nailer. You can hold things together and also the pressure you're putting on the head of the nailer kind of holds things together as well. Yeah. So it's it's a much better two-hand operation. I'm building some gates at the moment actually um, and I'm going to be using shiplap on the front of the gates and I'm going to hit those in by hand I think. (laughs) I've got two 1875mm wide gates and then one 1220mm gate so that's a lot of nails that I need to hit in by hand. So it, it would make sense to get one for it, but I think I'll just end up doing it by hand. It won't take that long. It'd be a good uh, time lapse on a video. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of tools, did you see the video Belts and Boxes mm. channel? Um, they were at an event with the Milwaukee Traxel. 
Ah. I was a bit gutted not to have been invited to the event, really. It looked really cool. And the Belts and Boxes video where they, um, they they basically filmed some of the Milwaukee guys doing presentations on each of the tools and what they do, but the audio was really bad, so you couldn't really hear what mm. was being said. So I didn't really watch much of it in the end. And the Milwaukee belt sander, Ooh. which I'm assuming I can now talk about. Oh, is that what you got? <laughs> yes. So when you were doing your bench top. I saw you using the Bosch belt sander, but it looked like you had a second belt sander as well. I do, yeah. I've actually got three now, um, ah. which is a bit crazy. It's far more than I need, but obviously the Milwaukee one I couldn't use for whatever reason. The Hikoki one is a large, um, is it four inch? I think it's four inch wide, so it's good for flat surfaces. Mm. Um, so I use that for the top of the workbench. And then I used the Bosch one just because it's a bit lighter for the for the end grain. Um, on the top I should imagine at a point when I'm told that I can use the Milwaukee one I'll probably part with the Bosch one possibly I had the same Bosch one I got it rid of it when I moved but it's a really good tool that for the money it is I saw that Milwaukee also doing a power bank thing yeah I've seen that in pictures but I haven't really looked into what it is or what it does I think it it means you can plug your batteries into this caddy and then use it to power mains powered tools Oh, wow. That's a good idea. I think that's what it is, because that is something I am looking into and probably can talk more about in the next podcast. Interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to sort out some power for the workshop. Yeah, I tend to only really reach for the belt sander if it's something crude, like a workbench top that I'm not really worried about getting a fine finish on. Or often I'll pick it up if um, if I've got something like a painted finish on some old wood that I'm trying to salvage and I don't want to run it through the planer. I never really run any painted surfaces through the planer because I, it just makes a bit of a mess and uh, it's probably not good for the blades either, I should imagine, particularly if it's a hard film finish. I agree, especially as if you want to give your chips away to someone that's keeping animals, then you've mm. got to empty the barrel out and have a separate one just for the paint and then, then you've got to get rid of those chips which you can't put in the garden waste. It's, it's a whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. Have you seen that Milwaukee, not Milwaukee, uh, Metabo tool that's kind of got the carbide, it looks like a belt sander, but it's got the spinning carbide blade that strips the paint on flat surfaces. No, that sounds really interesting. Oh, it looks uh, amazing. It's not cheap. If you've got a flat surface, it just strips the paint. So it looks visually a little bit like a biscuit jointer. It's kind of got a square bottom and a handle on the top. I never even knew such a tool existed. It's cheaper than I thought, actually. You can get it for just over 200 quid. Oh, so it's got like a circular blade. I don't think the blade's circular. I think it's the spinny bit circular, but it has two of these carbide cutters in it that spin. Uh, a pack of 10 replacement cutters is £31, but it actually doesn't sound too bad considering you only need two at a time, and I imagine they last a while. But yeah, if you're using a lot of painted or varnished reclaimed materials, I imagine it's fantastic. In fact, the picture of the guy using it looks like he's got a bit of 1940s brown furniture and he's stripping it off. That was what I was going to ask, actually, whether it would be kind of delicate enough to be able to to work on um, veneered furniture. I'm looking forward to checking out some videos on that. Yeah, there's got to be some videos on it. So you've got much left to do on your house. We've got all of the big stuff to do, so roofing which will be the next big job and then i'm going to be replacing the windows i say i'm going to be replacing the windows i'm planning to do all of the 
easy ones that I feel relatively confident that I can manage by myself. But we've got a bay window in our living room, which obviously I'm not gonna attempt that. That's just gonna be far too complicated, I, I think, for me to get my head around. So we'll get, we'll get in a professional for that. So like I said earlier, I've got all of these projects that I need to do. For some reason, everything's just happening all at once. Um, but there's one project that I'm particularly excited about doing, but I can't really start it until all of the annoying ones are done. Mm. So on Sunday, it's about four in the morning, I got back from um, Marrakesh, um, did a bit of traveling through Morocco with a couple of my mates last week. But I got a message from my wife the day before I came home saying that she's um, found a cat for us. <laughs> uh, so we went and picked him up. Um, he's settling in really well. He's an FIV cat, so... I don't know what that means. No, I didn't either. Oh. Um, so basically he's got cat aids. Um, he can't go outside and interact with other cats because if he fights with other cats... There's, there's a risk that he passes that on to other cats. So he needs to be kept indoors, which is a really good thing for us, obviously, because we're on a main road. So if we were to get a kitten, that would be really risky. So we wanted an older cat anyway. But with this FIV thing and having to keep him indoors, it's kind of worked out well for us. Um, he's an old street cat, so they found him on the street. Um, but he's... Uh, quite opportunistic when it comes to food so we rear left a shepherd's pie on the kitchen counter a couple of nights ago and returned back to it and all of the cheese had been ripped off the top which was quite funny i don't know if you remember when i did that patio video but we've got this massive patio at the side of our bungalow that we've never really known what to do with because the, ga the garden here is so big and there's only two of us here and it's like well what do we do with all of this space so we're going to build a catio on the patio so going to do a big enclosure out there so that Mickey the cat can go and roam and get some sunlight. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I just want to start it. Um, I've already ordered all of the materials for it. But like I say, I can't really start on it yet because when we do the roofing project, the whole bungalow is going to have scaffolding around for safe access. So is it a bit like an aviary, as in it's got wire mesh to keep uh, the cat yeah. in? Pretty much, yeah. And I've I've never bought wire mesh before, and um, you can get some nice stuff, kind of two by two grid metal mesh. So the the holes are two inches basically mm. square, um, and you can get it in black and stuff like that, and it just looks really nice. But it's so incredibly expensive. So that was the kind of what I wanted to do. But when I looked into pricing it up, it's like there's no way we can afford that. So unfortunately, we've had to go for some galvanized kind of mesh that you'd see. I don't know whether chicken wire is a bit is underselling it a bit because it does look better than than standard chicken wire. Yeah. But it's not the high end stuff that I wanted, unfortunately. But that could stuff is surprisingly it? cheap. Mm. Um, I probably could, but there's it's going to be so big, this space, that I don't really want the hassle of painting it, to be honest. Um, so we're just going to leave it as is. Oh, this sounds a great project. And I imagine once you've got it built, there'll be lots of furniture and toys needed for it. Exactly. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to get started on all that stuff. The, the, the one challenge we've got is kind of access, because it'd be great if he could just kind of let himself out there whenever he wanted to go mm. out. But um, the access to it is either from my office as in the room that I'm in now 
or our spare bedroom and there's really nowhere to put a cat flap or anything like that. So I'm wondering, I've got these kind of large sliding doors in the office and I'm wondering whether I could remove the glazed panel from that and then get a glass manufacturer to make a new glazed panel with a hole cut out for a cat flap mm. and, then, and then fit that myself. So we either do something like that or we go through the wall or we just replace the glazed doors with something new because they're a little bit rotten anyway but again it's all comes down to money and you know priorities because there's so many other things that need money thrown at it at this bungalow um but in the meantime we could just obviously let him out the door whenever he wants to go out i guess the the cheapest option would be to take the glazed panel out and put a wooden panel in uh yeah although they're they're kind of like full height glass panels mm. if you know what i mean so it, it'd be a bit of a shame to do that in a way but I guess you could put your own window in the top of a wooden panel. Yeah, panel. I never thought of that, actually. That could almost be a video if you made your own cat yeah. flap as well. That could be an option, definitely. Oh, yeah. well, congratulations with the new cat. Thank you. And it's, it's just great to have a cat around the house again. And any kind of changes to your life just mean a whole new lot of projects, don't they? Exactly, yeah. The moving house for me has just been, oh, wow, that's, that's a year's worth of projects right away. And actually, actually more. You must still have a massive to-do list of things that you want to build. Hardly, hardly started. I mean, it's the workshop. I'm just so keen to get the workshop. Building this garden room has made me want one so much more. Yeah. It's just uh, having the money to do it. Um, um, the other supplier I used, as Travis Perkins I used again, um, because I hadn't got their app. And again, they've got a drop-down box now. You can pick the day. As last time I used Travis Perkins was you place the order and then the branch would contact you to arrange a delivery date, which is not ideal. Mm. And when I'm at my mum's, there's just no mobile phone signal. So obviously they've got my mobile number, but I've, I've received whenever I leave the village, you get the voicemail of someone called you four hours ago and then you've got to call back <laughs> and try and... So just being able to pick the date you want yeah. is is good and for me not having to interact with a human just being able to do it all by an app <laughs> yeah, is just totally. is just much better hello matt here it takes us quite a lot of time to prepare and produce each episode of this podcast and we'd like to keep putting it out for free if you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to help support and shape future episodes you can find a link to our patreon page in the show notes or just search online for workshop banter patreon thank you and now back to the podcast I got contacted by another TV show last Did week you? as well. Did you get an email? I don't think so, no. I forgot what the premise was. It's something about Britain's engineering heritage. Like, oh, I'm interested in that. But it was about getting teams to recreate things. Like, no. I like... Oh, I forgot what he's called now. The the guy that does the TT motorbike racing. Guy Martin. He's got a lot on YouTube now, but he does a lot of... Um, the the boat the guy built and he just had a narrow boat and he kind of went around the UK stopping off like at Wedgwood to make a mug and things like that like oh I love that mm. I love the kind of industrial heritage of the country interesting but why have you got to make it a competition can't you just have mm. a documentary about these things <laughs> I'd watch that I don't want to see a bunch of amateurs recreating it it's so tiresome isn't it the ideas that they come up with sometimes oh yeah, they overcomplicate everything. If they just had a whole series about Brunel and all his 
great achievements, I would be hooked on that mm. to watch me and you try and build a wooden version of one of his bridges. I have no interest whatsoever. While I was away last week, one of my mates kept talking about this program called um, Skinwalker Ranch, uh, which just kind of sounded like UFO-related stuff like that. Not really something I'm hugely interested in, but he was really singing its praises, so I thought, well, I'll check it out. So put on an episode yesterday, and after every sentence that anyone says, there's this... Like these sound effects, you know what I mean? These cheesy kind of television cliched sound effects to make things dramatic. I just watched like 10 minutes of it. I thought, it's just making me cringe. I can't watch it anymore. So that went off. It put it just puts me off and I, and I can't be the only one. It, it's very weird. It's like they don't look at YouTube at all. Yeah. And, and if they did, they'd see that there's all these big channels on YouTube that don't do any of that. They keep it yeah. really simple and are really successful. And they go, no, we're not doing that. We're going to go completely the opposite way. And there are some of these small TV channels that do a lot of these classic car restoration shows and things. And they're actually slower paced and they're more like a YouTube channel. And I mm. enjoy those. But yeah, as you say, anything with kind of the sound effect and this cliffhanger at every ad break yeah. that isn't a cliffhanger. Yeah, it just gets tiresome. Anyway, I didn't email these people back. I just have no interest whatsoever. I finally got my dust extractor back um, after it needed new parts and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I started setting up the cyclone with with a new barrel and everything. I thought one thing that would might make the video interesting, interesting for both me and hopefully for the viewers as well, is I bought one of the anemometers. Anonym, yeah. Anemometers. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. So I'm doing a test between my current cyclone, which is the Dust Commander HD, the new cyclone, with and without the baffle, just mm. to see how that affects performance. So is the baffle removable? So it's it optional. Is. Oh, that's good. I've only had the really cheap cyclones in the past, or the, I don't know if you remember, I had a, a dustbin that basically has two two mm. pipes in it. Yeah, and yeah. The se- and the separation is amazing on a really simple thing like that. Oh, that's interesting. So also with this thing that I've forgotten what you call it, you can also measure your performance of your extractor over time. So that'd be interesting. Another thing that I think is going to be really interesting to test, which I haven't tested yet, but what is the airflow directly from the source of the extractor? So just unplugging everything and just measuring it from the extractor. And then my longest ducting run Mm. and doing it at the other end to see what the airflow performance has dropped by just by having the duct in place. I think that'll be interesting as well. So I'll measure that at some point as well. I think your setup's good because you've got the high volume, low pressure one, Mm. which you don't have on any ducting. You just hook up to your table saw or your planer. And those apparently really you lose suction over distance. And the Ah, other type are much better on actually ducted systems. But it's weird. We always watch these American videos who don't really have available to them the 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 smaller units the the basically a big vacuum mm. uh that so you've got the pneumatic i've got the camvac they're not really available in the states so they use these massive things which means they have to have five horsepower ones to actually do the whole workshop when actually 
I think these other ones are perhaps better. That's a good point. It's something I've never really noticed. But yeah, they, they all kind of have the HVLP extractors and some shop vacs. Yeah. Generic shop vacs. But they don't really have the high-performance twin motor shop vacs, do they, for some reason? With 100mm pools or 4-inch pools. Yeah. No, they just have normal hoses. Huh. I see CamVac for sale in Canada now because there's this Canadian uh, tool shop that does really good videos about their products. Oh, right. And that's why I learned this. They were doing a demonstration between the two systems and mm. how uh, one loses, as soon as you put any hosing on it, it really loses a lot of power. My very first workshop I did ducting in, which probably wasn't even on film, because that's what you see, that's what you've got to do. You're watching the American workshop tool, you've got to have it all <laughs> ducted. And since then I'm like, oh no, I'm just going to have several extractors Mm. set up for different things you've got one long run on one wall haven't you basically yeah kind of um well two runs because there's one that goes to the mitre saw and the belt sander and then one that goes up over the ceiling to the table saw and just generally for hand power tools okay so is that the table saw crown guard that goes to oh and the and the crown guard as well yeah yeah oh so do you I thought you used your uh, HVLP to do the table saw. I do, yeah, and the uh, so both effectively. Both, yeah. yeah. So you get good yeah. dust collection. What do you use on your bandsaw? Oh, I know the answer to Nothing. this. You don't. Yeah. You showed that in the last video, yeah, because you've got that little drawer thing. I've never really found an easy way to get it close enough to the extractor to hook mm. it up, so I just don't. And um, occasionally, if I'm doing loads and loads of cutting on the bandsaw, then I'll hook up one of the, um, either just my old shop vac, which is usually in the house. The trouble, obviously, is that your, your wheels then just get clogged up with dust. I mean, you saw the state of it when I opened in that opened mm. it in that video. It's uh, just dust everywhere. But I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's highly effective whenever I have hooked up an extractor. It hasn't really done a great job anyway. Uh, the, the little professional Axminster one looked like it had great dust extraction as in it had a port just under the lower blade guards and you could put a bit of wood in place I think you cut a slot for the blade so it kind of directs all the dust directly under where you're cutting down into the port oh, I was like right. that's clever it's like because most of the time it's especially when I had I had the jet one uh, bandsaw which was a nice big cast iron machine but it's like they've built a bandsaw and then they've gone, oh, we'll stick a hole in the back for a dust yeah. board. And the hole was probably 15, 20 mil off the bottom. Yeah. So dust would just collect under the dust board and only when the dust reached a certain level would it be sucked up. But the, these new Axman ones, like, they, it looks like they really designed it around dust collection. I think a lot of tools... I guess health and safety regulations have changed, but they're really starting to think about dust collection more, which is really nice to see. With table saw, sometimes all the planers, sometimes you've got to stop what you're doing and just clear the, the dust or the chippings because they're in the way. Yeah, that's a common problem with my thicknesser. <laughs> and it's the one thing that really stresses me out about my planer thicknesser. I, I do generally really like it. It's great at what it does, but the, the, the extraction is, is, is awful. Really? Because I thought I had exactly the same machine and I never thought the extraction was that bad on it. In thickness and mode, it's reasonably good or mm -hmm. it's good enough. It's when, I, it's when I'm in planing mode that 
that I have the issue because it it all just the dust just all seems to congregate on the table beneath. I don't know whether maybe the older Electra Beckham one, maybe the port is slightly different or something like that. I'm not sure, but it just doesn't work well at all. It, it always clogs up. I think it must be a different design because I know like the blade guards, different design and things because mm. there, there'll be a bit of stuff coming out, but it would yeah. never, never block. And you've obviously got a dedicated, decent extractor for it. So what were you using with yours? As for extraction? Yeah. Um, I had the uh, canister extractor from CTS, right, which had a 100 mil pool, but it's just a single motor extractor oh, right. and i was running it through a 90 liter dustbin the two pipes in the top so that must have reduced it and it was yeah no problems that's weird maybe i need to look into that a bit more so your new bench top looks great and are you happy with the uh, having a nice heavy top compared to the mft it's been good so far although i did managed to make a significant track saw cut in it yesterday so was it always your intention to cut into it or was that a mistake that was a mistake yeah i picked up the track saw and um for some reason it hadn't sprung up again and i hadn't realized and yeah it just basically grazed the surface and made a big deep gouge that will be there for many many years but never mind see with mine i've got it as a sacrificial top because I just don't want to be precious about it, but then, mm. but, but mine's only a one bit of eighteen mil uh, ply. So before I went back to the garden room, I knew I'd have a lot of sheet goods to cut down, particularly the insulation boards. Uh, so I made myself some saw horses with some joining pieces that all flat pack, and that worked really well having a work platform, and uh, it made it so much better. So I'm gonna have a video coming up on that. And uh, this is all new tools I got. And the other thing I bought myself after talking to you last time was a fan. The Machine Mark 10 is, I'm so pleased with it. It's you know, I, I, it's a thing I didn't know existed. And now I've got a workshop. Mm. Uh, it's amazing. But the one problem is it gets really hot in there because there's only one door at the front. I think if you had another smaller door at the back or something... You yeah. can get some airflow through it, but it just heats up in there. So I bought myself an 18-inch fan, which is 35 quid. I didn't realise how cheap they were and how little power they use as well. Mm. It's a real game-changer getting a fan in your workshop. I don't know um, who needs to hear that on a hot day a fan helps, but <laughs> <laughs> that's my top tip for the week. So are you running a power cable out for it, or is it a battery one? So this is a bit of foreshadowing for next week. I looked at a Amazon do a battery 16 inch one for about a hundred pounds that has an internal battery which you charge over USB. A hundred pounds is a lot of money considering you can get one that's two inches bigger and instead of plastic it's like chrome. The 35 pound one looks so much nicer. Mm. I was like wow that's that's 65 pounds cheaper. What I fancy is one of these power bank things for the workshop so maybe I'll save the money and get a power bank. Uh, but then I thought, maybe I'll start talking to some power bank companies. Mm. So, yeah, hopefully there's some power bank news coming along. And that oh, awesome. might be... I was very keen on the next workshop to be off-grid. So that is what I'm moving towards. That's going to be really interesting, that. Another thing I bought... I seem to have bought loads of tools 
since I last spoke to you is I bought a folding stand for the table saw. Oh yeah. Just it's just so much nicer to work at you know, a proper working height rather than on the floor. And with these saw horses, I managed to set up a outfeed table, so I had to rip a lot of strips for this paneling and just having a table saw on an outfeed table rather than a table saw on the floor. Again, after my revolution, you get a fan when it's hot tip. My <laughs> other tip is the how much prices fluctuate on Amazon. So the, this table saw is, is a wheeled folding one, which means I'll be able to, it kind of folds up into almost like a sack barrow thing. So I keep the table saw in the house and then I can wheel it out. But they were about £203, I think. And I think they were 197 on screw fix. So they're around the 200 quid mark. And I've just been watching them, putting them on my you know, watch list on Amazon and kind of checking every day because sometimes you get warehouse deals and things. I think it went down to £148. So a significant saving. And I like, I got it, I bought it there and then because like, Wow, 50 quid off. But if you watch things long enough, yeah, they do these things where the price just drops dramatically for one day sometimes. Yeah. Are you aware of Camel, Camel, Camel? Uh, I am not. I, but I was thinking there must be some kind of price watchy mm. thing. And is, is that what it is? That's exactly right, yeah. So um, it's basically a website where you put in the item in the search box and it comes up and you click on it and it basically gives you the price tracking history on Amazon. Mm. So you can see kind of the lowest price point and the highest price point. But, you know, always shop around as well because often Amazon are not the cheapest. Shall we move on to what we've been watching and stuff? I did find someone good on... uh... Instagram, and I think I was actually talking about it last time because I'd seen a video about cutting splines into mitres. Oh, yeah. And I think I'd done it before and I'd made a couple of spline jigs that hold the piece at 45 degrees to the blade, and then you run it through all the way through the blade so you get an even cut. And this guy was doing it that he's just having the blade up higher, but just running the piece along the surface of the table, but not pushing it all the way through to do splines like oh well that's why is everyone making all these fancy spine jigs when you can just push it into the blade i'm looking at his thing he's, he's german he's 24 i love it when people put their age on their <laughs> instagram i think i think it's because 24 is young then you must re- reach a certain stage where you don't put your age you start getting embarrassed about your age yeah rather. we're yeah. definitely at that <laughs> that stage paul k-a-t-z he says he's a designer 24 year old woodworker but he has just really good little short uh, videos. One, you'll see Spline. He's got beautiful toolboxes he makes. Um, yeah, just a really good Instagram feed with some really nice short videos. I was really pleased to see Jeremy Schmidt um, uploading again. I think it's been well over a year since he last uploaded a video. And I'd sort of highly urge anyone who's not familiar with jeremy's channel to check out his his older videos because there's so much good stuff there um his channel is actually called jer schmidt shortened for jeremy he's a he's a very technical thinker i i I guess he reminds me a little bit of matthias wandel he's got a kind of engineering kind of brain i think um but he, he he just makes great videos and and this this latest video he made was building a steel cyclone so it wasn't really woodworking related but seeing how he fabricated this sheet metal into a cyclone was was pretty fascinating i thought so 
yeah, definitely check that out. And if you if you get the chance, go and check out his older videos as well because there's some some brilliant ideas. There. Is he the chap that made the table saw fence using threaded rod? I'm not sure. If it wasn't, then that's a very good video because it has threaded rod and then half a nut on the kind of cam lever so that the nut always engages with the threaded rod so that it's very precise, as in it locks in the same position every time. It does sound like something he would do. Yeah. So I'm just flicking through his older videos now, and there's a there's a bunch here that I can remember being particularly good. One was fixing a wobbly miter saw. Mm. So he had this kind of, I don't know whether it's a DeWalt? Yeah, it looks like a DeWalt miter saw that had a lot of play in it, and uh, he kind of took it apart and reassembled it with his own sort of wizardry and components to make it smoothly operating and that, that was a really interesting video as well um his mobile camera stand was incredible that was what kind of inspired me to make a mobile camera stand for the workshop as well incremental fence positioning jesh smith table saw fence with incremental positioning yes yeah 3.3 million views so that's obviously a popular video it's a very good uh video I don't recall that one. I'll have to add that to my watch list now. Well, I know that's something of interest to you, but the the trouble is I've watched it, I think, several times, but it involves significant amounts of metalworking and probably welding. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, maybe you can make the components out of wood, but yeah, it's it's a good idea, but I'm not sure it's something I'll build. But I don't need to now, actually, because I don't have an old table saw anymore. Mm. I quite like the fence on the Bosch. It works well. Yeah. That is something that those um, sight saws do particularly well, isn't it? The fences. Yeah, well, particularly the the DeWalt and the Milwaukee, Mm. I have to say. But the Bosch is pretty good. So is it a similar ratchet and pinion style thing? No, No? it locks at the front and the back. Yeah. It doesn't slide perfectly, but uh, it's one of those things. I'd I'd read some negative reviews about it, but I've not had any problems whatsoever. I, I move it to the position that I want it. I lock it, and it works fine. I wouldn't say it's a joy to use like some fences are. Yeah. But it it works, and if it works, that's really all you can ask for. It always seems to me like there's a massive gap in the market for somebody just to come out with a cast iron table saw kind of similar spec to mine so reasonably well made but implementing some of the stuff from sight saws like a riving knife that's adjustable in height um, a fence that locks at the front and the back and an insert that doesn't need to be screwed to the table yeah you know what i mean they're basic things and if you could implement those on a relatively basic cast iron table saw, i think you'd have a winner wouldn't you a blade shroud with a dust port at the back as in yeah. a job site table saw, if you don't have any dust collection on it, all the dust still flies out the back through the dust port. Mm. You don't need much suction. It's doing the job for you. I mean, some people just put a bag on the back of them. Yeah. As with a cabinet saw, all the dust kind of just falls down into it because it's got a pipe that comes out the back that then wiggles down to a port somewhere. Yeah. It's, why is the dust... It, it wants to throw it out the back. Why is the port not there? <laughs> Yeah, I was reading. Um, I think it was a thread on the Woodworking UK group again on Facebook about again Ben at Hugh and Orr. He sealed up all of the inside of his Wadkin table saw with uh, aluminium foil tape mm. 
just to kind of direct the airflow from where the blade is to the dust port so that it's not sucking air from every other little orifice in the in the cabinet that's something that i need to look into and probably do as well but you shouldn't have to do this kind of stuff it should just be done for you <laughs> yeah especially on modern saws yeah. i imagine the the other axminster ones that cost three thousand pounds are better but that's a lot of money isn't it yeah, the the one that Sean Evely has looks like um, it looks similar to mine, but it's got a far superior fence, mm. and it's got all of these other bells and whistles that are, that I could only dream of. <laughs> yes, I mean for the cost of the saw, I could probably build a workshop. Yeah, if you're using it every day and you're professional, then you can justify these things. But mm. I I can't. No, me neither. Thank you for listening. You can find Keith on YouTube by searching for Rag N Bone Brown and me by searching for Badger Workshop. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to help support us in making future episodes of the podcast. Link to that in the show notes. And we have a Workshop Banter Instagram and Facebook page if you'd like to get in touch, which is at Workshop Banter, all one word.